When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, friends. It's Vin Scully. It's time for Dr. Clapper. In sports, there's winning and losing and getting injured. That's why there's Dr. Clapper. Dr. Clapper is the former head of orthopedic surgery at Cedar sinai The Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper, presented by Cedar sinai Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are you? Saturday mornings from 7 to 9. Silence is golden when you can't think of a good answer. <laughs> yes, Doc, I love your show. Now, here he is, Dr. Robert Clapper. Good morning, Los Angeles. And welcome to another edition of the Weekend Warrior Show. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Clapper. I'm an orthopedic surgeon at Cedars-Sinai, 33 years and counting. Wow. I'm so excited for today's show. You don't want to miss the interview at 8.15. His name is Frank Scaturo. And this man, an attorney, a constitutional law expert, single-handedly took on the federal government to spiff up and take care and maintain President Ulysses S. Grant's tomb located on 122nd Street and Riverside Drive in New York City. Why is this fascinating to me? Because who knew about Ulysses S. Grant? You knew he was a general but never in the context of actually being one of the greatest presidents we've ever had. Why? Because we know, all know who Abraham Lincoln was. His true moral compass, Abraham Lincoln, determined to free the slaves. Except for one problem. He got assassinated. And the vice president, Andrew Johnson who now became the president, immediately started to take apart all the policies that Lincoln put in place. It wasn't until the general who won the Civil War, Ulysses S. Grant, finally becoming president, had a true moral compass and said, no, we're going to do what President Lincoln wanted. His story will shock you because it's been hidden for too long. And at 8.15, we're going to talk to the expert, Frank Scaturo. I cannot wait. And it made me think all week long, which, by the way, I had the week off. So what do you think I did all week? I went surfing. <laughs> I surfed so much this week. And it was windy and cold. It was even raining in Ventura. Sloppy, messy. But there was still waves in that slop and I went every day and yesterday the slop stopped the waves were huge glassy and I was out there with my friend Ed having the greatest time it was cold and rain for everybody on the beach but as a surfer 
I love rain. It's like being in a water sandwich. Water on top of you and water below you. Uh, My arms were going to fall off from being tired from all week and surfing for two hours. I took this huge wave. must have been the size of an apartment building. And Ed looked at me and said, come on, let's go in. It's enough. And I said, no, 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 no. We got to do one more. I paddled back out as far as I could go to the horizon. And I took a break. I took a breather and waited. You never want to do this as a surfer. You never want to look up and say, God, okay, I want one more to take me all the way into the staircase. You don't want to do that. You jinx it. But I did. I looked up and I said, what a great week you've given me. What a great day you've given me. I just want one more. And guess what happened? I looked at that horizon. And here it came. That apartment building rising on the horizon. I turned my board towards the beach and I started to paddle. I can't see behind me. I can't feel it in the ocean. But I'm paddling as hard as I can, as hard as I can, with arms that want to fall off. And then all of a sudden, it's like God tapped me on the shoulder and said, you can stop now, Robbie. And I stood up immediately. And next thing I know, I'm looking down. Like being on the roof of an apartment building, looking straight down. Going down the face of the wave diagonally. Spraying my face, rain on top of me. And I rode that wave. And the best part? My friend Ed got to witness this. That makes it even nicer. And I rode it all the way to the staircase. Picked up the board and walked out like it was all supposed to happen that way. What a great week it's been. But a lot of interesting things happened this week and I want to tell you all about it. But one of the things that certainly stays with me is when I know who the guest is going to be, 12 years of doing this show, so blessed to be with the great Will Orms today, putting the sound bites together. What can I talk about in terms of Ulysses S. Grant? Okay, he had a true moral compass that guided him, and he pissed a lot of people off. That's why we never heard about him in school the way they should have taught us about him. But you know I love the world of art, the world of sports, and my world of surgery. Where's that true moral compass to do the right thing and change the world? The Ulysses S. Grants and Abe Lincolns in art and sports. Well, for sure... It's Jackie Robinson. But Jackie Robinson will be the first to tell you he could not have done it without Branch Rickey. Listen to Jackie Robinson telling us that with his own words in 1972 with an interview with Dick Cavett. I work for a great guy. I don't think anybody um, could have done the job had it not been for Mr. Rickey. He was constantly advising and guiding, and I had so much confidence in him. I would have jumped off the bridge if he told me to do it. That's uh, that's how much I believed in him. And he was uh, a man that was sincere and dedicated and willing to lend that helping hand that's so needed today in terms of the problems that we face in everyday life. 
Look at how Jackie Robinson telling us I needed Branch Rickey. Abraham Lincoln needed Ulysses S. Grant. And what about in the world of art? Guess who I'm going to talk about? Keenan Ivory Wayans. Remember that show in Living Color? Who knew the fight he had to do to make that show happen? He needed Barry Diller and Peter Chernin to be his branch Ricky to make it happen. Otherwise, it isn't happening. The fortitude, the true moral compass that Keenan Ivory Wayans had, you'll hear some sound bites that will blow your mind. And in the world of music, there's a song I've been singing in my head the whole week. Because you can't do it alone if you've got that true moral compass. You need someone to help you. Listen to Van Morrison. The song is called Real, Real Gone. Real, Real Gone. myself Don't you know I need your help need your help Peter Chernin Barry Diller You gotta help Keenan Ivory Wayans make that show Some people say You can make it on your own Nope Great Van Morrison teaching us, you can't do it alone. You need help. You may have that moral compass, but it's too hard to do it by yourself. You've got too many arrows aimed at you. Wait till you hear Jackie Robinson talk about those arrows coming out of the Philadelphia Phillies dugout. This manager named Chapman, all these years later, he ain't never going to forget it. And how he influenced the whole team. It's a beautiful thing to hear how Jackie Robinson did it. How Keenan Ivory Wayans did it. We need people like this. Because otherwise the world don't change. And in a crazy way, when I do Clapper Vision today with Will Orms, we're going to talk about Marcus Smart. Because on some level, in my world of medicine, I'm going to teach you what it feels like to, to know to trust what you feel and carry it out, that true moral compass. And don't forget, we're going to have to talk about some food. And Good Time Donuts in Ventura. Oh, she baked a good one for me, this Sue. It's a chocolate donut 
with chocolate icing. It's as black as it can be. And then she sprinkles that white coconut on top. Oh, my God. I don't know how she does it. I told her I'm going to talk about it this week on the show. You better make a lot more, Sue, because people are going to come running from all over. This show has a big audience, and they eat donuts just like I do. So she's ready for you, Weekend Warriors, at Good Time Donuts. The story of Keenan Ivory Wayans making in living color. The story of Jackie Robinson changing baseball. The key is you got to be ready for it. You got to have that moral compass that drives you. Because there'll be plenty of people, as Van Morrison says, shooting bows and arrows at you. Down to the marrow. I love the story because you need help. We all need help. You can't do it alone. And coming up next, we're going to hear that story of really what happened with Jackie Robinson behind the scenes in his own voice. This interview is from 1972. He's going to die a few months later. Bad heart, diabetes. But his words from the man himself, so gracious, so honorable. You want to know what a moral compass sounds like? You're going to hear his voice. Coming up next on the Weekend Warriors Show here on 710 ESPN. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What's going on? It's Max. You know there's no better way to start your Saturday morning than with my friend Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. It's time for Clapper Killies. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Where has this been my whole life? Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. That's the great Van Morrison. Remember that visual of that arrow tip. Because a little later, we're going to do some where there's a will, there's a way, some clapper vision. And I'm going to relate that bow and arrow to Clayton Kershaw's injury. Stay tuned for that. But let's listen to what a beautiful man with a moral compass that guides him sounds like. This is Jackie Robinson. Well, there are times, certainly, when we thought it wouldn't work, but with the numbers of people that helped, yeah. we certainly thought that things would go as they have now and even a lot further in terms of the front office and the managerial role and that kind of thing. But certainly baseball has got, got grown considerably, and we're quite proud of the role that we played in it. It's incredible now to think of a sport that big that was all, uh, all non-black. Yes. I mean, uh, so many uh, black stars in baseball now. 
Well, you can't even count them a day. It's amazing to me. I keep reading about certain ballplayers, and one day I look on television, and he's black. There's no longer a mention of Joe Blow, Negro ballplayer, this kind of thing, which is as it should be. I think they should be judged solely on their abilities out there, and the race shouldn't have anything to do with it. Without Jackie Robinson, there's no Dave Roberts. Without Jackie Robinson, there's no Mookie Betts. And as he says, no longer do you mention color. It's thanks to this man, but he did not do it alone. He had the moral compass, but so did Branch Rickey. I work for a great guy. I don't think anybody um, could have done the job had it not been for Mr. Rickey. He was constantly advising and guiding, and I had so much confidence in him. I would have jumped off the bridge if he told me to do it. That's uh, that's how much I believed in him. And he was uh, a man that was sincere and dedicated and willing to lend that helping hand that's so needed today in terms of the problems that we face in everyday life. Can I just want to keep listening to him speak. You name them in terms of race, and they were yelled. Everything it was quite vicious. I think Philadelphia Phillies, with Ben Chapman, was perhaps the most vicious of any of the people in terms of name-calling. The team members? Some members of the team, but there was a fellow by the name of Lee Hanley on that ball club that came down to first base when I was there and apologized for the Phillies. He just says, I just want you to know all of us don't feel that way, but it's been led by the manager, and many of the guys are doing it simply because of instructions, I would have to imagine. But it did give me a good feeling to know that in spite of what was coming out of the Philly dugout, one guy would come down and say he's awfully Notice how he always says we. This is one man saying we. Because Jackie Robbins is teaching us you can't do it alone. Sorry, and, and actually what they did was to sort of solidify the Brooklyn Ball Club because Mr. Ricky told me one of the things he said early was that when your ball club starts to take up for you in certain situations, our battle is most of the way won. And, mm-hmm. and I think that Philly incident started the Dodgers to kind of mold as a unit. Was that the worst, Philly? Yes, yeah. Philly was the worst. Uh, yeah. Ben Chapman was quite vicious. He wasn't only vicious as far as black people are concerned. I think he was anti-everything. Ulysses S. Grant hired for the first time in his administration more blacks, more Jews. Just like Jackie Robinson's talking about. These people, they hate everything. But you need that moral compass. Well, they thought, I, I was, I'm sure that a lot of it was thought to be strategy, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, it wasn't going to upset me. There was really too much to be done at that particular time in terms of breaking the baseball barrier to allow uh, name-calling to bother me. I keep remembering what my mother told me when I was a kid, although I've always been a guy that turned back. She said something about sticks and stones will break your bones, you know, and so not to be concerned about it. Well, I didn't at the time, uh, and fortunate for the advice that uh, I got from Mr. Ricky and the, the encouragement and the guidance I got from my wife at home, we were able to, to withstand most of the kinds of situations that came up we were prepared because of the numbers of people on our side he always says we well i think carl erskine who in my opinion probably had the most understanding of the whole situation he was quite concerned uh in roger khan's book boys of the summer he he points out that he would feel awfully guilty when we go into a restaurant in the south and all the white fellows would be able to go in and sit down and eat and the rest of us would have to sit in the bus and wait for a sandwich or something to be brought out to us and he was guilty that he didn't participate more but i I, when i think about guys like that i have to think about lending a helping hand the Wee reese's for instance a southerner and i i really believe that it was the southerner on our ball club that that 
made the Ricky experiment much more of a success than anything else. Look at how he's giving credit to the other ball players. Because I, I'm sure that all of their lives had heard that there was a great deal of difference between blacks and whites. And when they started to associate with us and they found out that all of the things people said that you use the same locker rooms, the same showers, the same facilities, something's going to happen. They lost that fear after a short time and they became, I guess, as aggressive in terms of the success as anybody. Of course, I feel a little good, too, about Dick, because all that time was happening. Nothing was happening to me either, you know. So yeah. while they had their fears that things were going to happen to me, to them, I, yeah. I felt good because nothing was happening to me as well. So it made it kind of an even kind of a situation. <laughs> but the whole situation in breaking the barrier was done simply because we had a purpose in mind to go out and win. Mm -hmm. and, and first it was Montreal. Then you moved into a town like Brooklyn. And it was just fantastic way the fans responded and reacted. They were a great bunch of people, and I've always been a very appreciative for the support and guidance that we got from fans as well as from Mr. Ricky and the family. Mm -hmm. And once Jackie Robinson finished integrating baseball, he goes after the construction company. Listen to this. Well, we formed a construction company about five months ago with a fellow by the name of Arthur Sutton over in um, New Jersey. Uh, one of the things that I've always felt was if we're really to solve our problems, we, we've got to do it interracially. We, we broke the barrier in baseball on an interracial basis. And Arthur Sutton, when he started talking about the construction business, we, we felt very strongly that if we could work it in the same manner we did in baseball, Arthur being a white fellow and, and Kaya Sales and I being the blacks in the organization, that we could help if we would be successful. And we're quite pleased that the construction company now is pretty much off the ground and we'll be doing some building in Brooklyn in the Bobby Kennedy uh, area that they tore down and built. And finally from Jackie Robinson. We just feel that it's important to have an interracial construction company. It's important to have a black company in these times because there is a tremendous void. The is the construction union one of the worst? For, uh... Well, yes. But I, I believe that there are a lot of black subcontractors who have gel together and mold together and uh, they're beginning to develop a system where they can break this thing down. I think the unions are beginning to understand they've got to do it as well. Do the right thing. That's what Jackie Robinson was all about with Branch Rickey. That beacon of light that he saw. The two of them together making it all happen. But where in the world of art do I see that? Speaking of doing the right thing, listen to these two guys. And now Public Access presents Men on Films. Blaine Edwards, and I'm Antoine Merriweather, and welcome to Men on Films. We're going to be reviewing the latest films from a male point of view. First up is that controversial movie, Do the Right Thing. Now, I really like little Spike Lee's courage in making this film. I especially like the way he mixed the racial tension with the violence in order to give his message, do the right thing. Come on out the closet. Don't be afraid to be who you is. Black, white, whatever. Mm, ain't that the truth, Ruth? Well, that's from In Living Color. And in the early 90s, it's the brainchild of a man, Keenan Ivory Wayans, who had to go up against... The whole industry of making movies and making television shows. And he sat down and explained 
what that road was like. It was not easy. But he was determined, Keenan Ivory Waynes, to change the world, his world, of the entertainment business. Here he is. The first call I got was from Fox. I go to the meeting, and it's not the film department, it's the TV department. They had come to see the movie. The film guys didn't even come. And so I was disappointed at first, and then they explained to me, look, we got this new network we're doing, blah, 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 and they said, we really want to push the edge, and, you know, we loved your movie, and, you know, we would love for you to create something for us, and, and you know, you can do whatever you want to do. But you really can't do whatever you want to do. I was like, really? And they're like, yeah, you have total freedom. So I left, and I thought about it. I was like, okay, I got some. And I went back, I, I pitched it to him. I pitched, uh, let's see, the, the Men on Film, Wrath of Farrakhan, uh, and the Homeboy Shopping Network. <laughs> and uh, they said, yeah, let's do a pilot. And we did the pilot. The Wrath of Farrakhan, the Homeboy Shopping Network, and men on film, which you just heard before. Okay. So he goes and does it. Well, now listen to what happens. And what was funny was that was the pilot that almost never got seen. Mm -hmm. uh, in the last minute, Barry Diller was horrified. Like he, <laughs> um, not horrified in that he hated it because actually when we did men on film, they wanted us to take it out and before we ever shot it. And I said, have him come down to the set. Have him come down to the set. Don't judge this like you've been taught to judge it. That intestinal fortitude that Keenan Ivory Waynes, that belief that he had, that strength that he had, I'm going to do this. But I need you to... Do it with me. He can't do it yourself. So he came, Barry came down to the set, and uh, he his, I think, one of the things he was worried about was would gay people be offended? And that's why I invited him to come to the set. And he stood off on the side, and he watched the sketch. And when the guys started going, and he heard the audience, it wasn't just laughter. Like, people were, like, stomping their feet. <laughs> And then he started laughing. And then when they were done, he just threw up his hands. He left. He was like, do it. Because he believed, not Barry Diller, but Keenan Ivory Wayans. Okay, green light from Barry Diller. But that ain't the end of it. We got more trouble coming. Peter Chernin. So Barry let us shoot it. But then it, became, then it came time to air it. And that's when... Everybody got nervous. <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> and uh, Peter Chernin, uh, who was head of uh, network, sat me down and he said, we're really nervous about airing this. <laughs> he goes, undoubtedly, it is great and funny. He goes, but we just don't think we can air this. So listen to the suggestion. We'll air it, but you just have to take everything out that you're doing to change the world. And Keenan Ivory Wayne says, no way. 
I'm not doing that. Wow. He said, what I'd like to do is I'd like to take out the following sketches, and he wanted to take out the Homeboy Shopping Network, Men on Film, and Wrath of Farrakhan. And he said, you know, I'd like to air a tamer version, and then when we build an audience, you know, we can push the boundaries. And I said, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Where do you get that strength, Keenan Ivory Wayans? Teach us all how to have that strength to stick to your guns. The moral compass, the true North Star. I said, I want to kick the door and guns blazing. I said, if they like it, they like it. They don't. I'm good with that. I said, but I don't want to trick the audience. I want them to know, you know, what we're doing. He sat there and he was just like, because <sighs> okay, it's all right. Is that what you want to do? See ya. And they aired it. The rest is history. <laughs> oh, not yet. Now they got to have some research. The CIA's coming in. This is unbelievable. They hired a research group, and it was the funniest thing. I, I met with the research people, and I swear, it, it was the CIA. It was, I mean, it was like, uh, it was a kind of like stiffness and <laughs> suit and tie that you just go, this is not your average white executive right here. This, <laughs> this guy is on another level. And I'll, I'll tell you a piece of the conversation that really kind of made me go, oh, this is a little more research than you would normally do. They told me about the research they had done, and they didn't ask people if they thought things were funny. They asked them, how did it make them feel? I was like, wow. And then they asked me some questions, and they asked me, so what do you, you know, what do you think the show is? You know, what, what do you think? Like, they wanted to know my feelings about the show, and I said... Oh, then he uses the wrong word. He says revolutionary. Uh-oh. You know, I, I think the show is fresh and it's new. I, I think it's revolutionary. And they said, what do you mean revolutionary? <laughs> I was like, uh, not that kind of revolutionary. I just mean, you know, taking the format and changing it up a little bit, you know. And then those guys left, and I guess they gave their approval so it was a lot of steps to get to actually getting on the air god bless you keenan ivory waynes god bless you jackie robinson and god bless you ulysses s grant but they did not do it alone coming up next i'll take your calls we'll open the clinic let's talk about a true moral compass in the worlds of medicine the number is 877-710-ESPN you're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show. We'll do the Will There's a Way segment coming up next. This is Keyshawn in the morning. My man, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show starts your Saturday morning. Join the doc from 7 to 9 a.m. But don't miss my show Monday morning on 710 ESPN. 
What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. It's the most entertaining thing in the world. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. From schwitzing like a piece of tuna fish. Every Saturday morning <laughs> from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, <laughs> 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. That's the great Tracy Chapman singing about a revolution. Well, that's exactly what Keenan Ivory Wayans did. It's exactly what Jackie Robinson did. And at 8.15, we're going to learn that's exactly what Ulysses S. Grant did. But we're going to learn about this guy in a whole different way. My guest, the great Frank Scaturo, is going to teach us. But right now, I want to do a segment that I look forward to each day. And I see all the lines are lit up. We'll get to the weekend warrior injuries, I promise. But hang on the line. Let's do some clapper vision with the Warriors, the professional athletes. Will, what do you got for this week? All right. Well, first up, uh, the something that we haven't covered yet, but it is baseball season now. And Clayton Kershaw, a uh, very divisive at this point in his career, very polarizing Dodger pitcher, is currently on the IL, the injury list, with... An SI joint injury, inflammation in his right SI joint. And he's obviously a little older now, and he's had, um, you know, back issues before and, and against the recommendation of the Weekend Warrior Show and epidurals and whatnot. He's gotten several of those over the course of his career. So I'm kind of wondering where this, this puts him. I mean, you know, I don't know that. I personally don't think he'll ever be the amazing best pitcher in the league, hands down, Clayton Kershaw. He used to be of years past. But with these back injuries, can he be at least halfway decent and stay healthy? Because I can imagine that as a pitcher, that puts a lot of torque on your lower back on on a nightly basis every time you're out there pitching. Okay. Great stuff. If you listen to the show, Weekend Warriors, you know the great clap revision for how your spine works, right? It's a stack of Oreo cookies. The bone, the vertebral bodies is the cookie. The disc, the cushion in between is the cream filling. Go take a stack of Oreo cookies right now. In college, I used to eat an entire package with a quart of milk. Oh, those were the days. You know, watch a TV show. Didn't gain any weight because you're in college. You can do whatever you want. It's amazing run around a bit. But if you take that stack of cookies outside the package and you stack them up, now go and pull out the middle cookie of the stack. Don't pull it out a lot. Put it out, pull it out a few millimeters. The the cookie column hasn't collapsed. But let me tell you something. You are stressing the cookie above and the cookie below. By messing with that middle cookie that you pulled out, the balancing act. And if you pull it out any further, that whole stack of cookies is going to fall. They all live with each other. They all need each other to create stability. Well, that's your spine. The epidurals is to deal with inflammation that surrounds the spine, the cookies, the cream filling. If you will... The epidural is dealing with the plastic wrap of the package. It's not really going to the bone or to the cream filling, the cookie or the cream filling, the bone or the disc. It's going to the package, which gets inflamed. The saran wrap, if you will, gets thicker. That's what the epidural is. It quiets down 
the wrapping. Well, what's the sacroiliac joint? Why is he now having trouble there? Didn't you just tell me he got a shot to his epidural to the stack of Oreo cookies? Aha. Let's go back to the Van Morrison song. I got shot by a bow and arrow. What does an arrow look like? Well, that straight shaft, just like looking at that stack of Oreo cookies, that vertical column, let's look at the arrow vertical. Well, the arrow at the tip is a triangle. The Native Americans used to use catgut to wrap it around that stick that they carved. But that flint rock, that triangular shape, if you take that arrow and you stab it vertically right into the ground, into the dirt, guess what? It doesn't fall over. You know why? Because the arrow is sticking into the ground. It's sharp. Well, the bottom of your spine, the bottom of that stack of Oreo cookies looks like the arrow of a bow and arrow. Why is it made that way? Why is it triangular? Why isn't it circular or rectangular? The reason the sacrum bone literally looks like the arrow of a bow and arrow is for the same reason that arrow doesn't fall over when you stick it in the ground. By wedging it in, just like the ancient Greeks and Romans created arch windows, well, the arch of your foot, the navicular bone, is this trapezial shape, this triangular shape, because that's how you fight gravity. By wedging the sacrum into your pelvis, literally, you now go from that straight spine to a horizontal beam, basically, which is your pelvis, and then you have your two legs that come down. The junction between the spine, vertical, and the horizontal pelvis that you're sitting on right now is that triangular bone, the sacrum, and the way it's wedged into the pelvis, you have the right and the left side sacroiliac joints, big, thick ligaments, which, by the way, when a woman has a baby, those ligaments respond to hormones in childbirth and actually become rubbery, and that's what allows the birth canal to expand so that you can have a baby. But that's, don't get me started, that's a whole nother discussion. But it's a ligament. It's not a bone. We were designed not to have the spine connect to the pelvis where it was bone-bone. No, we need a ligament there to allow for bounce, to allow for elasticity, and to allow a baseball pitcher on a pitching mound like Clayton Kershaw to spin his body and rotate. If it's bone-to-bone, the spine to the pelvis, then there's no give. You need that flexibility, and that's the ligament of the sacroiliac joint. Well, guess what happens? If you start losing flexibility in your spine that you need epidurals, degeneration occurs. Just like I told you, you pull on one of those cookies in the stack, you're going to start stressing abnormally the other cookies, but you're also going to start stressing. You, you need that flexibility to come from someplace if you're losing it in your spine Well, what's the next joint that you can rob it from? The sacroiliac joint. And that is why that joint is acting up because of his lower back. Now you understand the connection, right, Will? You understand the connection? Good. You don't do surgery. People do. I mean, there's plenty of orthopedic surgery that fuse the SI joint. 33 years. 
16,000 patients. I don't know, 100,000 patients I've seen over the years in my office, literally 100 patients a week for 33 years. Not once have I ever told anybody to have a fusion of their sacroiliac joint. But there are surgeons out there who do. Gig is into Hag, but I ain't recommending that. So that's what's going on. It's relatable to his back, even though it's in his pelvis at his sacroiliac joint. Uh, anybody else? Yes. So the next one you kind of teased a little bit earlier, and he is already kind of back from his injury playing again and, and made a huge difference in game two of the Celtics uh, series against the Miami Heat, and that's Marcus Smart. Now, in game seven against Milwaukee, he suffered a mid-foot sprain, but I guess I'm just kind of wondering, obviously he's not the first guy that we've seen even within the last few weeks in basketball that's had a mid-foot sprain, uh, but he only missed one game. Right. Uh, what? Uh, I guess what's the difference between his mid-foot sprain and everybody else's? It's a great question because today's topic, Will Orms, is about intestinal fortitude. What gives Keenan Ivory Wayans and Jackie Robinson, here's the, here's the soundbite of Keenan, what gives them the chutzpah to say, either you do this show the way I want to do it, or we're not doing it at all? I said, I want to kick the door and guns blazing. I said, if they like it, they like it. They don't. I'm good with that. I said, but I don't want to trick the audience. I want them to know, you know, what we're doing. He sat there and he was just like, <sighs> It's okay. It's all right. Is that what you want to do? See ya. And they aired it. The rest is history. <laughs> what gave Keenan Ivory Wayans that strength to be able to say, I'm not doing it unless you do it my way? What gave Jackie Robinson that strength? Guess what? In, in a clear, crazy clapper way, when you do an MRI, he's in enough pain, Marcus Smart, that he misses a game and he's in a boot. But by doing an MRI, which comes back no structural damage, the ligament is okay. There's no stress fracture. I can go through 10 different things that it reassures you. But that's exactly the fortitude you can say to Marcus Smart. Marcus, it hurts. You definitely hurt yourself. But young man... You can proceed with reckless abandon. You're going to be okay. Nothing deep occurred that we're worried about. Oh, my God. And that's why Golden State is going to beat Dallas. Because you need Marcus Smart. God bless that coach. Oh, my God. Who was on the bench for the Brooklyn Nets. Don't get me started. Thank God he's coaching the... No, I'm sorry. That's uh, the, the Celtics coach. Steve Kerr. To be able... But Marcus Smart, I'm sorry, it is the, the, the Celtics player. That coach is amazing, and that's a whole different topic. But what gives you, as the orthopedic surgeon guiding the player, that fortitude to say, you can, you can play, you can get out there, it's the same fortitude that must be inside Ulysses S. Grant, Jackie Robinson, and Keenan Ivory Wayne. So it is apropos totally to this show. All right, we'll take a break. Coming up next, I'm going to take your calls. The lines are lit up. Hang on the lines. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show. The number is 877-710-ESPN.
Hey, it's John Ireland. You know there is no better way to start your Saturday than with the man who replaced Michael Thompson's hip, Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m. Saturday mornings. Don't miss my show, Mason and Ireland, back Monday at 1, all here on 710 ESPN. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. At 42 years old, you know what your new nickname is for me? (laughs) Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. You're not Matthew from Santa Monica anymore. You're Mr. Preop. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. That's right. That's the Beatles singing about a revolution, and that's what we're talking about today. In all walks of life, sports, art, surgery, and certainly with our country and Ulysses S. Grant, because at 8.15 we're going to talk to a scholar, the great Frank Scaturo, about Ulysses S. Grant. I cannot wait. But let's take some calls. The lines are lit up. Who are we going to first, Will? Uh, We have RJ. RJ, you're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Oh, oh, hi, Dr. Clapper. I wanted to, and boy, you got right on what I'm concerned with. I'm the lower back, the hip, my hip, my right hip. Wait a, wait a minute. How young, how young are you? And what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm a, I'm a retired uh, nurse. Really? Wow. Yeah, I worked, I worked in rehab at Daniel Freeman uh, the last 10 or 12 years of my career. And how, how, uh, how young are you? I'm 72. Nice. Where'd you grow up? What'd yeah. your father do for a living? Uh, in New Orleans. My my daddy worked at Kaiser Aluminum for 41 years. Oh, my God. And, and Did your dad ever reason. meet Kaiser? Uh, no, no. He he talks about that. He says they made the, the, the second uh, King Kong. That's, he talks about it, but he, he was a safety committeeman for the union, for the American Steel Workers Union. Mostly he talks that union talk, man. You know that you know the story of Kaiser Aluminum, that during World yeah. War II there was one big aluminum company, and they did not want to do right by the government with the contracts. The government said, well, then we'll get another company. And Kaiser stepped up and said, well, I'll do it. And uh, it's an unbelievable story of American know-how of getting Kaiser Aluminum to be making all the aluminum that we needed for World War II. That's awesome. Wow. And, and yeah. your mom, was she a good cook? I mean, can you imagine the food that you must have eaten growing up in New Orleans with your mom? Man, my mom is, is the best cook. She could. She would <laughs> rival uh, Emerald or anybody on TV. My mom, she's gone now since 2015. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a pretty good cook, too. What was her? Okay, was, what's your favorite dish that your mom made? And tell us why. You won't believe it. She she makes uh she makes uh, spaghetti what? and she cut she cuts up wieners in the spaghetti. <laughs> so she makes a roux she makes a roux and a tomato gravy with uh, and green peas with hot dogs. and uh, toast bread and butter. Yeah. You know the Sicilians I mean, the secret everything. in Italy, which is where spaghetti is from, but the secret your your mom was smart because the secret my mouth is watering already, to a really, really good lasagna or bowl of spaghetti. We credit the Sicilians because they put green peas in their sauce, and it's delicious, and it would pop. So your mother was ahead of her time in the kitchen, that's for sure. Good for you. All right, how can I help you? What would you do to yourself? Okay, this is what I'm thinking. My right hip, 
was hurting me. It's been, it's been hurting for a year. Okay. But recently, in the last three months or so, I, I walked from I walked fifty yards, and uh, I opened the the car door and and I fell down on the ground. Mm. It was like my 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 knee tightened up, and 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 it wasn't obeying the command to 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 step forward. Mm-hmm. It just I went to the ground. Ah, oh, it scared me. So I went to my doctor and and I told her. And I went to her several times, and she never, I listened to you, so she never said, let's get an MRI. Mm. She, you know, I went, and I fought them, and I got a bunch of x-rays. <laughs> so they sent me to a place in Torrance, uh, and and, and the, the orthopedic specialist, he told me that, uh, good thing, Rooney, you don't need surgery. And I said, well, I got to get something, man, because this, and he said, well, you need therapy. But the the physical therapy guy is, 25 miles from where I live, and and I don't feel like driving way out there three times a week. Well, first of all, I'm very happy, ostensibly, that they did a spine x-ray and a pelvis x-ray and that you don't have cancer, okay? Because you got to always worry about that. So that's the reason why you can't just pat someone on the shoulder and say, hey, you're going to be fine. It's tendonitis. Go do therapy. You need to know what the diagnosis is. Now, if there's numbness and tingling going down the leg, then it's most likely coming from your spine, even though it could be hip pain. But if it's not doing that, it's groin pain radiating down the front of your thigh but not going below your knee. It's coming from your hip. So guess what I need you to do? You're going to get a pelvis X-ray, and you're going to get an X-ray of your lower back. And you're going to call here next week, and I'm going to translate with Clapper Vision what the answer is. If you okay. can then get them to get an MRI of your lower back or an MRI of your hip, gig is into egg, that would be fine. But at the very least, I need you to call me with the report, and I will tell you what exactly is going on. Then we can talk about the book that I wrote with Linda Yui called Heal Your Hips and all the pool exercises. But it is crazy to have a conversation of treatment without first making the correct diagnosis. People don't yeah. just fall down when they're 72 years old for no good reason. So rather right. than give you pills or cortisone shots or other cockamamie things they want to suggest, what is the diagnosis that caused you, an able-bodied guy who ate delicious lasagna with hot dogs chapped up all his life, to have him fall down for no good reason? We need to figure it out, and I am happy to help you. Yeah. All Thank right. you, doctor. Thank you so much. Okay. All right. So you got uh, your marching thing, orders. Doc. And Will doc, Arms will put you at the front of the list. But I need you to have in front Thank of you, you the report, the reading. You know what I mean? So that I can okay. tell you. And I need both. I need a pelvis x-ray in its report. And I need uh-huh. a spine x-ray. And I okay. would push to make them get an MRI of your lower back and an MRI of your hip. And then you'll have the impression. And I will translate. So we're not going to talk about treatment today with you. I need a right. diagnosis. Okay, Dad. Okay, all right. The MRI doesn't hurt me, huh? Not at because all. We... You got a pacemaker? Oh. No. Then no. you then if you've got a pacemaker or you are a welder where there could be fragments of metal in your eye, or you're uh-huh. pregnant. But last time I checked, a guy named RJ ain't pregnant. Then you yeah. can have an MRI. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you, Dad. Okay. So don't don't be the nice guy from New Orleans. Be yeah. the son of a gun from New York. And when they say 
you need a second opinion, you know what you're going to tell him? You're going to tell him, I got a second opinion, and his name is Clapper. Yes, okay. You fight like hell, RJ, and listen, you're a total stranger to me. Look at what I'm doing for you. I need you today. Find a total stranger. You do something nice for them. That's how you be thanking me. Okay, that's on my book. Okay. Okay. All right, RJ. By the way, what does RJ stand for? Ronald Joseph. So what's wrong with saying your name is Ronald? How come you got to be RJ? Well, I don't know, because it's two initials. Uh, It's kind of cool, though. I think RJ is a lot cooler name than saying Ronald. I think you're right. Good for you. All right, young man. Get the studies done and call me back, all right? Okay, Doc. All right, God bless you. you. All right, let's, let's squeeze another call in. Who do we got? Hello, Dr. Clapper. Who is this? Hi, good morning. My name is Phil. How, how, how are you? you what do you do for a living? I, I'm down here in the port of L.A. and Long Beach. I'm a longshore foreman. Oh, wow. I got a lot of patients working on that, Doc. Yes, well, we got a lot of bumps and bruises and injuries down here. <laughs> Guys. I, I don't have anything going on so much, but I, I do need a referral. Yes. A couple of episodes, you talked about if you had hernia surgery, uh, the old-timers used to do this kind of mesh. Mm-hmm procedure where it could be attaching itself now over a number of years to uh, your intestinal tract or your right causing a small bowel obstruction blockage yes do you have a referral for me or i can have somebody yes take a peek at that yes you ready you're I'm ready call, you're gonna call cedar side well first of all you've been listening to this show yes i have what's your no, favorite well, story no what's your favorite story i've told What's my favorite story? Yes. About your, about your show? Yeah. What's the, of all the well, shows, what's your favorite you, story? Well, I like when you talk about how you go surfing and you, uh, <laughs> you like to do a lot of finished carpenter work. Ah, oh, good. Good for you, young man. Did you grow up in California? I did. Where'd you go to high school? Right here in the uh, Portobello area in San Pedro. So basically, you grew up and you haven't moved within three miles of where you grew up. Good for you. That's correct. Have yes. you been to New York? You've been to Europe? You've been to China? Where you been? I've been to Europe. I've been to New York. I've been to Australia. Wow. Uh, been America. Around. Good for you. Good a little bit. I, I mean, I've been blessed with the uh, position I have Good. to take my family and myself to travel throughout Good. the world. Did you see the David in Italy? Yes, I did. Did it blow your mind that a guy can do that with a hammer and a chisel without power oh, tools? It, it was quite amazing. All of Florence was gorgeous in the amount of work. That took place back in those early years. It's mm-hmm. uh, quite amazing. Yeah, good for you. All right. Um, at Cedars, my favorite hernia guy, his name is Neil Joshi, J-O-S-H-I. Go track him down. There's another guy that I love named Brendan Carroll. These are two fantastic general surgeons, and they'll be able to help you figure out what's going on with your hernia. Will they be able? Well, I don't have the hernia. Will they be able to uh, maybe go in there and see? Yes, it is attaching itself. These are two world class uh, laparoscopic surgeons, so you're in good hands. Great, great, great. Thank you, Doctor Clapper. I won't take up much of your time. I know you got people calling in with a lot more injuries than I have. Well, but it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure to help God you. Pleasure. Now, listen, you're a total stranger. I need you to find yeah. a total stranger today. Go do something nice for them. That's how you be thanking I me. Will. I make it a point to do at least two a day. Good. God bless you. Thanks for calling. Thanks for checking in. You're very welcome, young man. All right, Warriors, we'll take a break. Coming back, I'm going to tell some stories because in anticipation of my guests at 815, 
We're going to talk about Ulysses S. Grant. What does that have to do with Keenan Ivory Wayans and Jackie Robinson? I'll explain. Coming up next, right here on the Weekend Warriors Show on 710 ESPN.